What's the dark side to recycling and how does it fit into the exploitation of the developing world by the developed world? Well, we have an author as our guest today who's written a debut novel that addresses these two questions and lots of other really exciting and, well, maybe exciting is the wrong word, but lots of other questions that directly concern our present and our immediate future. I'm incredibly excited to have him on. And of course, I am Angus Stewart, and you're listening to the Translated Chinese Fiction Podcast. So our book is Waste Tide, Huang Chao by Chen Chiu Fan, and he's our guest too. This is, of course, episode two of four, at least four, but probably four, of the Churchific sci-fi season. Of course, the first episode of the sci-fi season was Hao Jin Fang's Holding Beijing. Now we're at the halfway point with Chen Chiu Fan, so really hope you enjoy it. Before I launch right into the amazing interview I had with him, I'm just going to do the plugs. So the plugs are, of course, first of all, the show's social media platforms on Instagram, Trichafic, T-R, why am I blanking this? T-R-C-H-F-I-C, and my Instagram, Angus Likes Words. You can use both of them to leave feedback on the show if I missed anything, and I know I've missed things in this uh, interview because there was things I wanted to say that forgot to say because I was too caught up in chatting to. Uh, Chofan. So yeah, there's that. If you want to support the show financially, help me cover the hosting fees, you can do that on Patreon where you'll get access to bonus content. And also there's Buy Me A Coffee where you can give a, a little one-off contribution. So plugs are done. Let us charge on and listen to me having my chat with Chen Chofan, the author of Waste Hide. So I'm on the show with Chen Chofan. He's the author of this episode's book, Waste Hide or Waste Tide, sorry, not The Waste Tide, just Waste Tide. And he's one of the big names of 21st century sci-fi in China. Uh, He also goes by the name Stanley Chen. So if you hear me say Stanley, Chiofan, Chen Chiofan, or Stan, it's all the same person. So uh, with that in mind, Stan, how's your day been today? Um, Yeah, I'm just working as usual on something because I just back. Uh, Singapore Writers Festival and Hong Kong International Literary uh, Festival. So it's kind of like uh, caught in something there. Yeah. Mm. A lot of travel. That's exciting. Yeah. So speaking of travel, um, just like the last two people we had on the show, uh, Michelle Dieter and Liu, Liu Guangzhou, um, we two, we met at the Leeds Genre Fiction Symposium. Um, and you were there talking both to the symposium and to a public event afterwards. And I think in both cases, you weren't just talking about your own writing, like some writers might. You also were really, um, I guess, prioritizing talking about the ideas in your writing. A lot of those are ecological, environmental ideas. And I noticed um, when I was looking online during my dissertation on Chinese sci-fi, that's something you do a lot. Um, both internationally, so I guess in Chinese media and English language and international media, and like we saw at the event offline, but also online. So am I right to say that this kind of reaching out is a really important thing for you? Um, Yes, especially in recent years, I've been traveling a lot, like uh, to different countries and have this kind of talks and sharing and symposiums with uh, uh, both uh, readers and also academic people. 
So I think it's very inspiring to hear uh, the real feedback from uh, all these uh, readers and also the uh, researchers uh, always give me something new to think about. Absolutely. Uh, you said that you'd been to, uh, uh, not Switzerland, sorry, uh, Singapore and Hong Kong. Obviously, we saw you yes. in the UK. Have you been to yes. any other, um, other non-English speaking or non-Chinese speaking places? Yes, uh, like uh, yeah, last year, I've been to Italy and also Frankfurt Book Fair and also mm. some other book fair in uh, Southern America, is in Chile and also Uruguay. And I, I've been to um, like uh, Sweden and Korea and also Japan for sure. Uh, there's there there's a lot of like science fictional. Uh, convention and symposium all around the world mm. um now i know i'm i'm asking questions that are maybe a little bit besides the point but is chinese sci-fi well read or popular in those neighboring countries korea and japan i think um especially this year like the three body problem finally get translated into japanese and mm. it become phenomenon um and is sold out like in uh, the first day so they they had to uh, print more copies like uh, like crazy so so i think yes right now it becomes something big and very popular mm, okay. in japan and also in korea yeah uh, last question on this tangent do you know if the japanese translation of three body is uh, directly from the chinese or if it's a relay from um ken leo's english version I think they did it both sides. I think uh, because one translator I know, like uh, she can read Chinese and also like I think they're doing it directly from Chinese and also um, there's some reference um, with Ken's uh, edition. So I right. think because they change a lot uh, from the Chinese to English. So I think there might be something aligned with the English edition as well. Okay, that um, that will pop up again, this topic of um, changes made to the English version when we're talking about your own book. Um, so with that in mind, and moving on, is there anything else about you or waste hide or your other work that you'd like the listeners to know before we keep going um um not so far because um i think we'll talk about it later um yeah okay you're very right so here's the first question about waste hide uh, and it's a really mm -hmm. open question yes what's it about uh i'll say uh waste hide is about a lot of things in different layers so basically it's a, a near future uh cyberpunk um dystopian you can put all these labels on it mm. so it's about like uh in near future in china there's a small island called silicon isle so there's a lot of like electronic waste uh, shipped from the developed countries so we have a lot of like uh you can say cyborg or waste people uh dealing with all this uh waste and making money and uh, also like uh, doing this kind of operation uh, as an ecosystem. So there'll be some um, US uh, technology company involved, try to upgrade, as they say, 
uh, upgrading the uh, recycling uh, uh, system to make it more efficient and more clean and more eco-friendly. But somehow there's some local um, plants who are running the business uh, who refuse to do so because they have their own interests inside. So my protagonist actually is one waste girl who who was a migrant worker and she got uh, abused or damaged by uh, both the environmental issues and also from the uh, local gangster. So the story basically is about how she was survive and also uh, resurrection from the disaster and finally become some uh, uh, warrior or goddess mm. like uh, leading her, her people to fight against the, 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 the system. So change the whole dynamic in a way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, what you said right at the start there about it being a near future novel, I think that's mm -hmm. when I was reading it, that really um, jumped out at me. It feels a lot of what's discussed in it is stuff that is immediate <clears throat> sorry immediately relevant to what's happening today and i suppose if you're being strict in that sense it's it's not sci-fi um and it, it struck me as a little bit of a contrast because uh, the first chinese sci-fi i read was mm -hmm. and most of the sci-fi i've read not even the chinese stuff is you know it's in space it's far in the future it's a very big scale yes. or even the softer sci-fi um again chinese and not just chinese that i've read it's maybe not so big and it's not in space, but the technology is a very new and different thing or we're maybe very far in the future. But um, Waste Tide is really, it feels like it, it felt to me anyway, like it was definitely about today, but with some mm -hmm. technology that is a bit for, further forward, some more crazy things, but mostly super duper relevant to the real world, especially uh, as we'll find out a little bit more when I ask you about uh, the setting. But uh, before that, Am I right in saying this is your first novel and before it you've written of some or you've published some short stories, is that correct? Yes. Mm, um, can you tell us, was it a little bit tricky uh, to change to the novel form or were there any challenges or was it anything that was very mm -hmm. different? Yeah, like uh, it's totally different. Like uh, it's just like running a marathon uh, mm. compared with like uh, 100 meters. Uh, so... I have to say that I don't have a lot of experience uh, before I writing uh, Waste Thai uh, because its lens, its structure, and maybe a lot of like characters and uh, maybe storylines is is very difficult as a beginner or on novel writing. So from a short story writing, because it's like totally different things. Um, so I, I, I learned a lot and I still am like finding a lot of things I try to improve. Like if I'm looking back in the days I writing uh, this novel, but I think it's very precious uh, experience um, mm. while I'm doing which type because and it's the f very first time I try to build up uh, uh, this scale of uh, narrative and using this uh, complicated uh, POV. So mm. you, you can say it's uh, a success or it's, uh, it's not that success. But I, I think to me, it's like a very nice uh, experiment 
because I try to use a different uh, uh, perspective to bring out different message according to their own background, their own position. So yeah. I think um, I try to build up uh, not black or white uh, mm-hmm. uh, word, like every everything or everyone is setting in a great zone. So you can see from their perspective and you feel they're all reasonable for them to making those decisions. Even yeah. you can say it's evil or bad, but in a, in, in a way that it is all reasonable, it's uh, acceptable. So mm-hmm. I think to me, writing a novel lens uh, work is, uh, it's a wonderful and amazing journey. So it's just, took me one year to finish while I was working for Google. So I think um, this kind of experience, you never, uh, uh, you never like uh, took it back uh, for the second trial because uh, when you writing the second one, it's totally different thing. So you set up different expectation, you have different experience and people treat you differently. So mm. I think your first novel uh, for sure is a, uh, treasure yeah for everyone mm. so you were you were saying that you had to um or you it was your first time taking these different perspectives of a variety of different characters and understanding their point of view so i was going to ask you about this a little later on but i think we can jump ahead so uh some of the i guess although you said your main protagonist is the waste girl uh, whose name is mimi mm-hmm. there's a few mm-hmm. other characters who get a lot of um i guess page time or word count or whatever where it's their perspective yes. um so the two the other two i noted down there's uh, chen kaizong who is uh he's an american an overseas chinese i guess a chinese american mm-hmm. and there's yes. scott who is uh he's mm-hmm. the american guy representing the company and mm-hmm. yeah you, I, I definitely think you really your efforts to give us their point of view and their kind of reasons for doing what they do were really good, especially Scott, because I think if if this was a third person story, Scott would be a spoilers, uh, a pretty bad guy. But mm-hmm. the way you showed us where his his feelings or his his perspective or his position, I did kind of mm-hmm. find myself agreeing with some of the things. Like he, you, you show us his thoughts and his perspective on things, and he's yeah, he's, he's absolutely not black and white. He often starts with a pretty good understanding because he's the foreigner in the foreign country. And I think as a as a foreigner in China goes, he's not too bad. He's he's quite adept at learning the the situation. But it's just because he's representing this dodgy company. That's one reason why he mm-hmm. does his bad things. And everything I've said about him, you could say just as much about the other two characters. So yeah. Yeah. Yes. To me, it's like in a triangle uh, on these three characters. Mm. And kind of keeping balance on different perspectives. So yeah, you can say like uh, there's maybe not only one protagonist but three. Mm. That's uh, to me is like acceptable. Yeah, because it, they they all like uh, deliver different message from a different perspective. Yeah, and uh, I think we'll, we'll get into the the setting in in my next question I have for you. But I should also say, although Mimi is the the character who's not at all American. She's also uh, a migrant worker, so she's not from the Waste Island 
uh, town that the story yes. is set in. So alongside these three, you've also included some minor characters who are the the local people. Um, so on that topic, uh, topic talking about the setting. So for every episode I've done, I always try to find a way to talk about what region or area of China the story is set in. Uh, so for example, there was uh, the Chili Bean Pace Clan uh, by Yang Ge, Woman Jia, mm -hmm. where the setting yeah. of Sichuan yeah. is pretty important, yes. especially the small town. And I did um, mm -hmm. Empire of Dust, Nonmin Diguo by Jiang Zilong, mm -hmm. where the mm -hmm. setting of it being the north is important, but the particular province, not so much. And then some of the other mm -hmm. stories, the setting's really not important at all, and I can't talk about it much. But for this book, um, getting to the point, the setting's really important. Um, so can you tell uh, us why why is the setting so important? Um, yeah, the, the setting was in the uh, southern part of China, is in Guangdong province. So actually, it it is where my hometown is in. Mm. So actually, is uh, I using the real location um, as a as a blue, uh, blueprint. Uh, so just make adding some fictional layer on it because um, uh, in the book uh, doesn't like uh, uh, very local uh, culture and food and dialects and also like traditions uh, in there because i think it's very relevant in guangdong province where i was born and raised uh, there's a very strong uh tradition of uh this kind of like clans mm. and people were so strongly connected by their blood mm -hmm. and family so I think it's kind of like community very similar to um to this kind of like uh uh both like futuristic but also very traditional uh way. Uh mm. so um as you can see there's a lot of like uh technology being used but in a very uh, superstitious way. Yeah. So that's how I experienced said uh, uh uh since my childhood so mm -hmm. that's the very mixture of uh this uh specific area in china because we are pretty close to the uh pacific ocean we are at the coast and we are very uh, uh open to the westerners uh culture mm -hmm. and technology and, and and all this kind of uh value but meanwhile there's very strong uh, 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 ancient righteous uh, belief system and also uh, this kind of uh, value system uh, within our uh, daily life. So there's huge conflicts and also there's some harmony existing uh, uh, simultaneously. So mm -hmm. that's, uh, I think it's very unique and didn't been uh, explored before because in China, the literature history is mostly based on uh, Mandarin, mm -hmm. which is a very Northern uh, official language. But to me is like uh, Chinese is, is very diverse. We can have different uh, dialects. Uh, like here I using a lot of different dialects like Chaoshanhua, like uh, Cantonese and also mm. Mandarin and also uh, Japanese and English. So there's a lot of different uh, culture there and 
deliver the message from different language. So yeah. I think the location is super uh, important in my book because uh, this is uh, um, this is the uh, nuance and the authenticity I try to uh, bring to my readers as a real holistic China, mm -hmm. um, not just a, a very uh, symbolic and and simplified Chinese uh, uh, image here. Yeah. Um, that's that's something I think is really worthwhile doing, and I know uh, Ken Leo has said, in, like in his view, China is often mm -hmm. misunderstood by Westerners as being this one thing, homogenous, and in his opinion, it's almost the opposite. It's a, I think he's called it a collection, a diverse collection of many um, many cultures. So yes. um, on that point, because he's he was the translator of this book, and he's. He's got like a little off, a translator's introduction where he pays special attention to explaining the way he's uh, translated your uses of the different uh, dialects and regional languages. Mm -hmm. So what I'm curious yes. about, because I've only read the English version, is when you're yes. using the local language and dialects, um, what do they look like in Chinese on the page? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we can only use Chinese to um, express um, uh, and especially even you use dialects, uh, you can only uh, put them down in Chinese characters. Mm. So I think all we can do is like using some uh, very local expression, like there's different way of saying one thing in Cantonese and in Chao Shan Hua. So also we will put some uh, Romanian uh, uh, like alphabet uh, like help people understand how to pronounce it yeah. uh, correctly. Yeah, though, so I think it's uh, very important to me because I try to bring this kind of like uh, diversity to my readers to help them understand there's not only one way to express uh, a, a food, a, a fish or, or, or something uh very daily life so uh we try to create this kind of atmospheres mm. um so in in the english version when um ken leo wants to show you how uh i guess a if it's a chaoshanhua or a local just some the local dialect is written he sometimes takes the the sounds and puts them in like you said in the roman alphabet so kind of mm -hmm. like a, a pinyin but not for mandarin for the local dialect so did I? What well, I'm curious about, I forgot if if you've said this before at the symposium we were at, was that using a spelling system that already existed, or did you and Ken come up with a spelling system for that? Um, actually, we're using some very uh, already exist. There's some uh, Cantonese uh, dictionary and also Chaoshan dictionary. So right. we just uh, yeah look it up and use it. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad that's a nice, straightforward answer. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so getting back slightly to what you said about the strength of clans and family in, in this region, I guess in uh, Guangdong, there's a little passage in the book where you that I highlighted because I liked it so much, where um, the narrator or one of the characters is describing how these local clans on the waste island have kind of evolved along with capitalism and they've kind of evolved mm -hmm. almost into businesses and i i don't really have a yes. question i just wanted to say to the listeners that's awesome it's a really good bit and there's quite a few sections in the book which are they're a little it's the kind of sci-fi thing where it's explaining something but the way you do that it's very uh, it's not too long 
it's not too short, and the explanations are very just very detailed and satisfying to read. So just wanted to say I like those. I don't really have a question for you there. Thank you. I do have one more question about the story. Mm -hmm. um, it's relating to something um, the last guest, Guan Zhao, um, said to me. He he was telling me that folding Beijing didn't get a yes. lot, or got some a little bit of criticism in China mm -hmm. because he told me uh, readers in the PRC generally mm -hmm. prefer hard sci-fi, so like very sciencey sci-fi to the softer stuff. Uh, so two questions: Do you think he's right about that? And, and second question, how hard or soft do you think waist height is? Yeah, I think Guangzhou make a point that uh, most of the Chinese sci-fi reader actually got their reading experience from golden age uh, mm. sci-fi. So back from the uh, Asimov, Clark and Heinlein age. Yeah. So pretty much they uh, shape uh shaping their uh preference and taste uh from those uh, classic works yeah so that comes to the uh definition of hard sci-fi and soft sci-fi and also like from xia jia the porridge sci-fi mm -hmm. so there's some hierarchies there like hard sci-fi is always uh like uh on the top and maybe soft sci-fi is like uh, a little bit uh uh below that but uh like uh, be under uh under value but uh, uh to me it looks like uh, the that dynamic is changing uh because right now as we introduce more and more uh modern or contemporary science fiction to China, like those from uh, Ashra Laguin, uh, Philip K. Dick, Ted Chiang, Ken Liu, and also from uh, La Vie, Tioha, and Charlie Jane, uh, and there's uh, so many diverse writers and works. So I think right now for some readers, they start to realize there's not necessary uh, a, a, a borderline between hard sci-fi and soft sci-fi. They're only mm -hmm. good and bad sci-fi. Yes. So I well think, um, yeah. So, for example, waste tide. There's uh, a lot of like uh, info dump there. So you could say it's hard because I really look it up in some research and paper. Mm -hmm. But also, there's a lot of soft part, like uh, talking about uh, relationships and. Mm -hmm emotions and also there's some uh poetic uh moments which is not relevant to science and technology at all mm -hmm. so i think it's like a mixture i didn't really think about if i'm writing a hot sci-fi or a soft sci-fi yeah. at the very beginning i just try to tell the story i want to tell mm -hmm. so i i I think that's the message I always try to uh, deliver to my authors and also to the mass audience in China, like how we can open our mindset to and to accept more diverse uh, science fiction in genre and on themes and on uh, different narratives. Mm. Yeah, I'm really embarrassed that I forgot the word info dump. That, that was exactly what I was trying to say a minute ago, and, and instead I was just saying bits where the author is explaining. But yeah, um, 
yeah, the, the, the info dumps are not too long, not too short, very good, like I said before. And, and for listeners who are curious about what porridge sci-fi might be, if you haven't heard that term before, I'll just say wait until the next episode and we might be talking a little bit about that. Um, thank you for your answer, uh, Stan. So I'll go on to asking you some translation-y themed questions, although we've, cool. we've already touched on this. Translation and all, cool. maybe also some publishing aspect stuff. So first question. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned the last episode we talked about Folding Beijing. The translator of that story mm-hmm. was Ken Leo. Mm-hmm. And as we've mentioned before, he's the same guy that translated Wasted. Yes. And he's translated quite a few of your other stories, I believe. So how did you first get in touch with Ken Liu? Yeah, it's a very interesting story back in, I think, like 10 years ago. So I I read the story, uh, The Algorithm for Love uh, online. So it, it's, it's the very first story uh, uh, from Ken. I'm pretty into that story and I searched the name Ken Liu because I didn't know him very well back mm. then. I think he's pretty new in, in the in the industry mm. and pretty early career. And I, I I found his website and there's a his contact uh, email there and I sh- shot him an email that say, hey, I really like your story and I would love to translate or introduce your work into China market mm. uh, because I think uh, you are a uh, uh, Chinese American. So I, I, I totally believe there's a lot of uh, readers here would love to read your work uh, mm. I, I feel there's a lot of connection between uh your work and chinese uh uh people so and culture for sure so that's mm. how we build up the uh, uh connection and we uh, become friends and we uh, uh we have a lot of like uh uh, conversations and and afterward like in maybe one or two years later that I sent him some story I hired some uh, translating company to uh, to translate for me it's the fish of Li Jiang so mm-hmm. I asked him to do me a favor to like see if like there's anything we can do to uh, improve and he told me like uh, we have to redo it from scratch because <laughs> they don't think the company did a very good job because they're mostly doing business translation rather right. than literary uh, translation. But uh, yeah, as you know, it's totally different thing and it's totally uh, difficult for them to do the job. So I think Ken Liu just take on the job and he redo it from scratch and uh, didn't get pay and didn't have any kind of expectation on the market uh, back then. So, and we got published on Clark's World and won an uh, award on science fiction and fantasy translation uh, award. Uh, the very second year, I guess it was in 2012. Mm. So that's how everything uh, started to rolling the stones, I, th- I think. So mm. yeah, it's a very interesting story. Um, if listeners are interested in reading the fifth, the, the sorry, the fish of Li Jiang, that's in Ken Liu's Chinese sci-fi anthology, uh, Invisible Planets, along with I think two of your other stories, A Year of the Rat, yes, and the, yeah. is it the Flower of Shadzui? Is that it? Yes. Yep. It's in exactly. There. Yep. And um, 
what you were saying about Ken Liu being his his writing having a I guess a connection with Chinese culture. So I know mm-hmm. that he's quite careful to stress that he's he's a, an American first. He's not not to be considered a Chinese writer. But this the book of his that I've read, um, the Paper Menagerie. It's a I think it's a mostly sci-fi collection of stories that he wrote. Some of them hard sci-fi, some of them soft, some of them in in the middle, like yes. waist tide. Yes. And some of them, from what I remember, maybe a few of them aren't really anything particular to his uh, Chinese American identity or Chinese culture. But the stories that do involve that are fantastically done. The way that they kind of reinterpret or reimagine Chinese culture or the way that they connect with American or Western culture. Some of those are fantastic. Um, there's one where, oh, now what is the big strong guy from Sanguo called? Why, yes, what, yes. Guan Yu. Guan Yu. There's a story with Guan yeah. Yu in the yeah, Wild yeah, West, yeah. which yes. that sounds yes. silly, me describing it, but that's a fantastic story. The, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. And the one uh, that the, the book is named after, The Paper of Menagerie, I think mm-hmm. if, unless listeners, unless your heart is totally black, that story will make you cry. That's a fantastic story with a very subtle kind of sci-fi inclusion of Chinese or Asian stuff. It's so good. So yeah, again, that's not a question for you, Chiofan. I just wanted to say that. Next question, it's about you and Ken. Um, and I mm-hmm. already know the answer to this one. I'm just setting you up. Um, mm-hmm. Were you involved yeah. much in the translation of Waste Tide? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, actually, we did uh, have this kind of like uh, exchange ideas, like because we have to work together with our editor from Tor. So actually, uh, my editor Lindsay Hao, uh, she'll give some comments uh, on the translation, and we'll read and discuss, and I'll revisit uh, my uh, Chinese edition and make some change accordingly and then Ken will translate it into English again. So it's like a, a, a three-party like collaboration. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, but also I I have my uh, uh, fully trust in uh, in Ken's uh, building work. So I just let him do whatever he thinks uh, is correct and 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 uh, appropriate to do so i think mostly i just re- respect uh, what he uh, his option on uh sentence level or like on uh words level mm. so um yeah so but sometimes he ha- might have some uh uns- uncertainty and maybe there's some uh doubts on the the original test so then we'll discuss and maybe there's some uh ambiguous uh in chinese writing you know as always there because chinese language is kind of ambiguous so i might put it in a more accurate way um especially on the timeline because from the for the westerner maybe there's some certain type of uh tense uh, mm. tenses there but in chinese we don't have a uh, past tense uh, we don't have a uh, future tense so everything is just uh like flowing mm-hmm. like uh sporing so uh, sometimes it just make uh, westerners uh, feel confused mm. so we might need to arrange some of the timelines accordingly to make it more clear and that's basically how we collaborate uh always tight I remember when I first told my dad that uh, the Chinese language doesn't have any kind of 
tense is <laughs> he tried to make some deep philosophical point about how your language changes yeah. the way you interpret the world. Do you think any of that's I true think, or do you think it's nonsense? I think it's true. I think it's really true. So <laughs> yes, mm. and also uh, I, I, I really thinking deep into that. So maybe it will also affect the way we think about uh, the space and time. Mm. Um, continuum so and also the sense of time I think in a way so maybe it would be another good uh, uh, material for writing another uh, fiction sure so I, I, I think yeah and also like uh, how Easterners uh, treating like the, the relationship between the uh, subjectivity and the objectivity so it's like very different from the westerners i think mm -hmm. it's not uh, that uh dualism i'll say it's more uh, uh connectivity and more uh embedded uh, into each other so i think it's very uh in in integrated uh system there mm. i think so, these yeah. kind of questions it's easier to deal with them in fiction because it can yes. be a story, you're not making an argument. But if I just wrote some essay <laughs> online or on Twitter about oh, all Chinese people are X, all Westerners are Y, well, if yeah, I was yeah, some figure, I'm going to get in trouble for that, you know, because you've got to be... Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's, yeah, there, there'll be a lot of trolls, like, <laughs> chasing after you. For sure, yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about, but I... Well, there is that one story that deals with language and time. It's the one that was made into a movie, uh, Arrival. By mm -hmm. well, the Arrival's yes. the movie name. What is the story name? It's history of something. The story like... of your life. That's the one. Yes, thank you. I'm glad yes. you're less ignorant than I am. Yeah, that's uh, if if listeners haven't seen or read that, that deals with pretty much what we were talking about in an interesting way. I've only seen the film, but it's a good film. Yeah, it's a good uh, story as well. Uh, yeah, Tech Chang is a, is a genius, I'll say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, a recommendation for the listeners. There's another podcast that talks about a couple of Ted Chiang's stories. It's called Very Bad Wizards. It's mostly a psychology and philosophy podcast, but occasionally they talk about a story or a TV show, and they quite like these mind-bending thought experiment stories. So if, if you that sounds interesting, just do a Google search for Very Bad Wizards. Enough said there. Um, I'd like to ask you some environmental uh, themed questions, Chofan, because like I said mm -hmm. before, yes. when you do your author, well, what would traditionally be author promo, you take the chance to even move completely away from the story and talk about these issues. So I don't know if we mentioned Guiyu yet. Um, can you tell us where yes. and what Guiyu is? Yeah, Guiyu is a small town, like 60 kilometers uh, from my hometown Shantou is on the southeast coast of Guangdong and also China. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And what happens in Guiyu? What's the economy? So, yeah, back in, I think, from the 90s to, uh, I think, very recently, it, like, uh, it's, uh, the, 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 economy there was basically uh, building uh, the recycling of electronic waste from abroad, mostly uh, uh, shipping in an illegal way. So 
they hire a lot of uh, migrant workers to disassembling all this kind of uh, motherboard cables and uh, circuits there and uh, try to uh, uh, attract some uh, materials like metals uh, from them and make some money. So that's how the uh, uh, industry works there. And but it caused a lot of like uh, environmental issues, like uh, totally uh, disaster, uh, pollution on air, water, and soil, and also damaging the health uh, to the people, uh, like the uh, the ladder in the blood, uh, and also a very high uh, rate of cancers. Mm. So, um, so it was like. When I was writing the book, actually, it was uh, just about to transit um, because uh, right now, uh, at the very beginning of last year, I t- mm. actually China has banned it, uh, 24 types of foreign uh, waste, including e-waste. Mm-hmm. So Guiyu is like uh, one of the upgrading uh, showcase here because after like I think it's seven or six uh, eight years of uh, construction of the uh, eco park so right now they build up uh, this kind of uh, park that uh, uh, have a more uh, uh, efficient recycling uh, uh, streamline and also a best uh, a better uh, health care and also medical cares for those uh, workers. And mm. also we can see the uh, quality of water and air has been um, um, in enormous uh, uh, improve, but uh, while the soil is still like, uh, takes time longer to uh, recover. So uh, I'm thinking the Things has uh, been improved a lot, but I, I think there's also some um, like harm be uh, be transferred to other uh, part of the world, for yeah. example, to Southeast Asia, to India, to Africa, and also to I think it's to uh, Southern America. So it's it's the uh, it's a global issue. It's not just happened in China. Totally. Uh, so, yeah. So I think we need to see the whole picture here. Yeah. I mean, I, I in the last episode, I tried to relate some of these issues to my hometown, Dundee, the issues relating to class enfolding Beijing. And this stuff about yes. the pollution being exported to less developed economies that totally applies because my hometown, Dundee, used to be a factory town. So in the city center, mm. we have lots of nice old buildings that were built by the money from that, mm. but a lot of them are yeah. still stained by the smoke and some of them have yes. been cleaned and with the black stuff cleaned off, they look so much better. Mm-hmm. But of course, yeah. those that industry, some of it has been replaced with more high tech stuff, but the bigger picture is, of course, the factories moved east to Eastern Europe or to, to Asia. And now, like you're saying, this these kind of dirtier things in the economy Although they've left Guayu, which is great for Guayu, they're, presumably the waste hasn't gone away. The waste has just gone mm-hmm. somewhere else. Um, yes. So on that topic, do you think specifically e-waste, do you think that gets enough attention in the media and discussion um, compared with other environmental issues? Or do you th- would you like to see it talked about more? Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, 
the awareness of e-waste uh, I think is uprising um, because right now like uh, you can see all these kind of uh, electronic uh, devices uh, uh, upgrading and retirement like happen every year so uh, driving by the consumerism and driving by those big tech uh, companies so as well as the throwaway uh, culture so people purchasing uh, newer faster fancier uh, equipments but without thinking the consequence mm -hmm. so I think now like uh, there's a lot of like um, uh, protesting uh, against the uh, wasteful uh, developed countries in South Southeast Asia. So I think it's just brought into uh, attention of the people like uh, uh, because there's a lot of like this uh, gradable uh, materials in the e uh, electronic waste and, and we need more uh, technology upgrade and we need more like uh, full life cycle uh, consideration and also we need the government the research institute and also the manufacturers to play, uh, play roles in, in this uh, whole uh, industry upgrade and also we need to uh, have the uh, cautiousness and awareness of the consumers uh, uh, as well because it's like uh, fundamentally uh, we are who consume these products where whom uh, uh, dumb this product and we are whom uh, suffer from it mm -hmm. so I think yeah. it's um, ultimately and we need to solve it, but we need a broader view to bring in all this like uh, interest uh, uh, related uh, parties to, to get involved. Mm -hmm. um, on, on that topic, is there a particular type or group of person or people that you would most like to read Waste Tide and get its messages, like bosses or consumers or people in government? Is there anyone you want yeah. the most to get on board? <laughs> Yeah, I really would love to have this kind of uh, bosses uh, from tech companies to read the book. And mm. also, right now, actually, we have some um, um, entrepreneurs who are doing the recycling business in China reading the book. And also people from Greenpeace, they are, they're also reading the book. And mm. for sure, the younger generation, they're reading the book. But I think the most important thing uh, for now is like those uh, decision makers, the policy makers, they, they have to see the whole picture and see how important the issue is uh, to be deal with. So yeah, for maybe for some local government, it, they think the development is the first priority, right? So mm -hmm. you can uh, pollute it first and then uh, deal with the uh, mess later. But the history proved that it doesn't work anyway so we have to think ahead of what's happening yeah so yeah and i think what you're saying there about politicians putting uh, development first that's although that can happen i guess that does happen in china there's the focus on growth and development mm -hmm. we have our own equivalent yeah. here in countries where even though the politicians are elected they'll do that usually with promises based on jobs or economy it's much harder to get elected i think even now if you're saying you're going to yeah. 
do so and so for the environment if the other guy you're competing with is promising more money so like you said totally a universal thing and also i i think what you were describing about environmental activists bosses all these people have an mm -hmm. equivalent in your novel there's a environmental group uh, who are a little bit like greenpeace you meet yes i are there entrepreneurs there's certainly representatives from business there's one or two characters who are they are chinese local government officials so maybe the mm -hmm. people reading the books will see themselves in these characters doing good or bad it would be it would be interesting yeah. to think about that um i've got one more question about guayu so mm -hmm. i'm a little bit of a google maps addict if i want to mm -hmm. learn a little bit about something i'll put its name in and search for it so i yeah. i zoomed in on guangdong province and i zoomed in on mm -hmm. guayu and i found it and I found, it, although it's near the coast, it's it's a little bit mm -hmm. different from your waste isle in the book because it's not an yes. island. Uh, but yes. I noticed there is an island not so far away from Chanteau that's mm -hmm. connected to the land mm -hmm. by a fairly new bridge, just like uh, the yes. waste island called, uh, sorry if I say mm -hmm. this wrong, Nanao, is that right? Yes, did, yes, did, Nanao. Did, did you take any inspiration from Nanao or is that just a coincidence? <laughs> Um, yes, uh, yeah, because it's very close to my hometown, so, uh, and I visit there as a tourist a lot. Um, I think uh, that the geographic there is very uh, convenient and very uh, 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 good for me to build up the world and especially mm. the bridge and, and you can build up all these kind of action scenes uh, uh, in between. So, um, yeah, I just followed the, the geography of Nanao and also combined with the uh, 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 characteristic of uh, Guiyu, so combine mm. them together. So I think it's the, the uh, advantage of like a writer, mm, yeah. especially a speculative writer. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I think yeah, at first when I was looking, I knew Chanteau was your hometown. So I saw mm -hmm. this island next to Chanteau. So I thought, oh, yes, I found Guayu. <laughs> and then actually, no, you've used your <laughs> creative license. Yes. That's cool. Yes. I'm very satisfied that I've solved that question. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've just got a couple of final questions for you now. Um, mm -hmm. First yeah. one is two-part question. Uh, part mm -hmm. one, what are you reading right now? And part two, are there yeah. any books, Chinese or not Chinese, that you'd like to recommend to the listeners? Um, yeah, well, I'm writing, uh, I, what I'm reading right now actually is a couple of books. Actually, I'm reading a lot of books like uh, Parody because maybe it are relevant to my writing right now. So, and maybe some just randomly uh, check. Um, mm -hmm. There's one I'm reading is, uh, the name is The Formula. <laughs> Actually, it's, uh, it's from Barabasi. So it's a, a network uh, scientist. So he studied in different uh, industries about how those uh, people succeed and there's any uh, uh, particular uh, 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 abilities or like connections behind their their reason, their factors of succeed. So I think it's very uh, interesting and, and inspiring. Mm. And some other books I'm studying is like uh, some Buddhism oh, uh, cool. theory. Yeah, so um, yeah, it's actually a, a very uh, a marginalized uh, stream in Buddhism. Uh, actually, as um, 
uh, it's about like studying how to categorizing your consciousness and uh, and the, the process of like uh, a, a cognition uh, in Buddhism. So actually, there's a lot of very specific, very detailed phrase uh, in uh, uh, perceiving the world and how to shaping your consciousness in Buddhism. Hmm. theory so i think it's very also very inspiring to science fiction as well right. and also there's some uh um i'll say uh, graphic novels one is from the handmaid's tale oh, uh, right. the graphic novel edition uh for renee uh Nant, i think uh, her name is a she's a canadian uh uh uh, illustrator, so she adapted uh, this graphic novel for uh, Margaret Atwood's uh, 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 Handmaid's Tale. So I think it's very worthy to uh, check it out. Cool. That does sound interesting. I didn't know there was a, a graphic mm -hmm. novel of that. Um, yes, yes. I think just coming out this year. All right. Fun. Um, very last question. Is there any more of your own work or projects or platforms where we can follow you online that you'd like to promote or let us know about <laughs> um actually i just uh finished a graphic novel adaptation from one of my short story coming of the light which was Ooh. uh collected in uh, the broken star also in mm. anthology uh translate and editing by ken so i work with uh, an Italian illustrator, Jacopo Sigarini. So we're working together to adapt it from a short story into a graphic novel. So it's a pretty uh, short, but I think it's very interesting because we try to connect the technology with Buddhism uh, mm. in modern China. So yeah, it's a very, uh, I'll say it's a very uh, uh, comic and very um tricky story i'll say mm. yeah that's a uh, one i've not read i've got broken stars on my bookshelf <laughs> but um i've only yeah. read i read the essays at the well the intro at the start and the essays at the end for mm -hmm. the dissertation but yeah the only story in there i've been exposed to i think is at leeds when you read a future a history mm -hmm. of future illnesses but yeah um that's yeah, really yeah. exciting to hear do, do you know where listeners mm -hmm. will be able to read that one where it's going to be published yeah we are uh, right now we're connecting to some europe uh european publisher as well as some chinese publisher so see because graphic novel is a very specific uh, uh market there mm. so we need to find a, a very uh, proper uh publisher mm -hmm. and also i'm working with uh kai fu li the 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 author of the ai superpower so we're co-authoring a, a new book about like the it's in between uh technology uh article non-fiction and science fiction because we try to settle down this kind of Im uh, imaginary narratives into a a, a very uh, solid uh, uh scenario based on the very recent research and uh, industry development so to build up a, a, a world building on, on AI. So it's very uh, near future, very technology driven. And but also there's a lot of like uh, ethical 
uh, conflicts uh, between uh, the human and the machine. So I think it would be very interesting. That sounds amazing. Is that one lined up for publishing anywhere, or are you going to have to find somewhere for that too? Um, actually, we are under discussing with some very big companies, a uh, mm. very big publisher, uh, all around the world. So it's a it will be a worldwide publish. Okay. Yeah. So we can keep our eyes peeled for that one. Yeah. Do you have a a Twitter as well, right? Yes, I have a Twitter at uh, Chen Chiu Fan. Yeah. Yeah, you're on there. Uh, if listeners want to connect or find out what you're up to, um, I've I've completely run out of questions, but I just like to say、mm-hmm. thank you for coming on the show. It's been a really good chat. Absolutely fantastic to have you. Thank you so much, Angus.、Uh, it's my pleasure too. So one more thank you to Chen Chufan there for having such a great chat with me and answering the questions so well. Welcome back anytime. I should say that although we've had. Lots of amazing experts on the show. This isn't necessarily an expert show. I'm certainly not an expert. I'm learning as I go, and I'm very open to having anybody on the show, provided you've read something that we can talk about, i.e., a piece of translated Chinese fiction, or you know, I'm open to non-fiction if it's sufficiently interesting. Absolutely. So just to go through the plugs again: Twitter, Angus likes words; Instagram, Trichafic, T R C H F I C. But most importantly, the thing you can do to help the show the most is tell your friends. So, I think we said for、um, folding Beijing, tell someone who cleans up your rubbish. So we can't use that again. So let's go for tell your local mecha suit operator, tell the boss of your family clan, tell the、um, economic hitman from your local American mega corporation. Tell all those people and tell your friends too. And until next time, die. Jian.